and God bless her. She's a, a perfectly fine actor. She was in, I know, uh, where Girl you were on the, the train. Window. Girl in the window. Yeah. I know where yeah. you were on the train. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Boo, yeah. <clears throat> and from music video sins, Barrett Share. Hi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have one of those basic ass episodes today. No real mm-hmm. topic, just ranting, and recommending, and questioning, and, you know, all that stuff. Anyway. I'm sure you guys are pissed off about something. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Babe. So he wants to uh, he wants to start off off on a rant. I gotta start. I gotta go off script. I oh, ran shit. into someone I hadn't seen in about ten years at Lowe's oh, God. yesterday. Oh shit! And. <clears throat> I don't want to go into the whole history. We weren't super close friends. We were briefly co-workers. No, go into the whole history. No, go into no, the whole history. You really <laughs> don't need it. You don't need it. All you need to know is that yesterday at Lowe's, he hit me with the two for flinching. Um, no, what? <clears throat> what? Two for flinching. <laughs> Bless Tell you. Tell me that I, you guys know this. No, we know this. I'm just, I'm just, I think I'm just dumbstruck that that's still a thing. And that probably this person is 40, yeah, 40 year old doing it. Chuckling the way my dad used to when I would say, make me a piece of toast. And dad would zap his finger in the air and say, poof, you're a piece of toast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's how this guy laughed after he too for flinching me. And I want to go back to childhood before I was born, whoever the fuck invented two for flinching as some sort of like societal cure-all excuse to punch people. Like, of course I'm going to flinch if you lunge at me. And we somehow turned flinching into like not only a lack of manliness, but a deserving of physical punching. And this game stays in people's minds into their 40s. And thank you, I see that hand, Barrett. But I just want to finish by saying two for flinching sucks, and I'm going to keep flinching. And if you punch me, we're never friends again. It's a stupid game. Any game where you get to excuse punching people because they they didn't react right because they what? They didn't. They thought you might actually hit them. I'm going to pretend to hit you. And then if you believe me, I get to hit you for real. This is a fucked up game in every sense of mm-hmm. it. And uh, we need to end it. If they're still playing it today to teach your kids, this game is not cool. I think you answered my question. I, I, I'm not familiar with this. I, 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 I never did the two. You lived in a cave. Um, Tony Stark, um, <clears throat> you, uh, you basically lunge at someone, pretend to throw a basketball at them pretend to hit them, pretend to kick them, what have you. And if they pull back, um, you go two for flinching and you punch them twice on the arm. License. This dude, an acquaintance from 10 years ago, pulled this on you. This, like, was, how he, this was how he let me know he recognized me in Lowe's was he lunged sort of at me 
And I jumped back and he goes two for flinching. And I, he did just barely tap my arm. But the fact that he's still playing the game kind of set me off. Oh, that's a bad game. That's a bad, that's a it's stupid, a stupid game. game because the, the, why am I in a cave? I'm in a cave. I, mean, I hung out with other kids. I had male friends. I, I, I was am kind of surprised uh, okay. you never saw this. I, I'm, you didn't live in a cave, obviously. I am surprised you never heard this. This I thought this was one of those universal games. Um, you know, I know there are regional games and regional what's it's and who's it's, and I know that there's a, a taboo gesture you can make now for white supremacy that used to be a game where if you showed it to people below your waist and they looked you got to punch them for that you've heard of that game i've seen that one that's yeah, just, yeah, okay. yeah that's a boy scout thing. i thought yeah, all yeah. of this was universal um and yeah the idea is the idea is the the would-be puncher it's like we're in school i'm not gonna actually hit you if you think i'm gonna actually hit you and you recoil then you're the idiot and now i get to actually hit it's just it's like a fucking mind game and i've always hated it but as an adult, did you? Uh, that's how he. Is that how he opened? Yes. <laughs> Seriously, did you talk to him after that? Yeah, for like five minutes. It was you know, houses of kids, houses. But you were kids. thinking about you were thinking about that the entire. I five was thinking minutes, about. Though, right? I hope I never see you again. You know, honestly, <laughs> who does that? It's like you might as well punch me in the balls. Like we're not twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned something today. Let's be wow. men. Wow. Two for flinching yeah. can go suck it. That's, well, that's especially if you, uh, hold on. Especially if you fucking open with that. I don't care how old you are. <laughs> if you open with that, you can kiss my fucking dick. Because, yeah, of course, if some random fuck ass in the fucking Home Depot or wherever the, the fuck you were, yeah. like uh, lunges after you, fuck yeah, I'm going to flinch and pull out a fucking knife. Yeah. He's lucky he didn't get... He's, fucking stab. In all honesty, I was carrying a knife, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad thing all the way around. And if anybody's still bad doing thing. it, age five and up, you need to stop. It's just this is certainly yeah. not the time of uh, you know it, we're not in an era right now where that kind of thing is going to be taken lightly. He's going to do yeah. that to the wrong asshole one day, right? <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, someone who's like Jeremy, who has a knife, but is ready to like just whip it out at a moment's notice. <laughs> you know, like I don't know who you are. Who? What? How do I know what what you're doing at this point? We're at a fucking Lowe's. I don't recognize you. Yeah, I haven't seen no, you in I ten years. That. I would lose that fucking game every time. I've got a startle reflex, and you know what it is? It's fucking protecting me yep. if somebody lunges at me fuck you i'm going to back off and then i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah fuck that oh mm -hmm. i don't like this game at all mm -hmm. i'm overreacting now because i don't like this game. <laughs> yeah. that's just yep. but, but you know to, to 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 keep it peaceful here it's actually just i mean this is a childhood playground thing that you do this is not fucking 40 year old <laughs> shit this is not what when you hit forty, you've you've forgotten this game at this point. You know, like yeah. there's there's no reason to to uh, you know do that at a at a lows especially. It's like, I thought you were speaking German. The two for flinching. There's this. I hate when I, I I do this too often. But there's a whole episode of Friends where Monica, now in her thirties, gets a call from the high school hunk, and they go on a date. And over the course of the date, she realizes he, he still works at the movie theater he did in high school. 
He still hangs out with all the same kids he did in high school. He still lives with his parents. Uh, and he just never outgrew high school. That's what I picture this guy as. Not that he necessarily lives with his parents. He's got a wife and kids, but it just feels like mentally that he's still playing the same playground games. Uh, he's stuck on repeat. I don't know. It's just, uh, it was infuriating in school, but God, as an adult, and don't even, don't even think you few listeners who might see me one day, a sin week or something that you can come up to me and try this and think that I'm going to laugh about it. Cause I will shiv you. Mm-hmm, that's right. Get shivved at sin week. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the marketing statement. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Um, okay. So I, I, I try to, I, I have, I have ranted about driving a lot, not nearly <laughs> as much as I could have. Uh, the, I had, I took a trip to Arkansas to see my nephew's graduation uh, a couple weeks ago. Nice. And, and, uh, rented a, uh, <laughs> rented a nice SUV. was driving my mom, uh, out there and, you know, it's like a five, six hour trip. Um, but there are just so many things that I had forgotten cause I had not taken a trip this long in a couple of years, you know, that just, I don't understand, I don't understand where people are coming from. And it's usually, it, it usually it, it involves the passing lane. If you're not familiar with the passing lane in America, <laughs> you have two lanes, one is the right lane where if you're slow and you're not passing anybody, you stay in that lane. If you're in the left lane, you are about to imminently pass somebody. Not you're going to pass somebody in 30 seconds or you're going to pass somebody in a minute or anything like that. You are in the left lane to pass somebody at that moment. And what happens is, is there are about 25 to 35% of the drivers on the road today think they deserve to be in that left lane that passing lane because they're going to pass somebody in the next 30 seconds to a minute Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry guys you guys are a bunch of fuck asses to take Mm -hmm. barrett's term Mm -hmm. uh because what you do is you start a big long fucking line of cars behind you at that point while they wait for you to pass this one car that you're going three miles an hour faster than Mm -hmm, and everything. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what happens is all this shit happens. There's a big long line. Now I'm a guy who, if I'm not imminently passing somebody, I'm in the right lane. I will even, uh, get into a right lane when I know I'm about to have to slow down because there's a truck in front of me or whatever. But I know that the people behind me are going faster than me. So I'm not going to make them wait while I go and pass this truck or whatever. And, but what happens is you get over in that right lane and what happens? Somebody who thinks they deserve to be in that lane gets in there and they cause this big, huge long line. And then you can never get over because of that. And it causes this big cycle. The other thing that happens in this passing lane, you know how there's a car on the side of the road and they're working on their car or they've broken down or they need to look at a map or whatever the fuck they're doing on the side of the Mm. road. Mm Mm-hmm. There are too many people who are concerned for the safety of those people. And <laughs> I agree with you, but I love that wording so much. I'm fucked up. 
<laughs> Someone else care about it, you dicks. And Ooh. when I say this, I'm saying that they are so concerned about those people on the side of the road, they will endanger everybody else to get into the passing lane so that they won't disturb the people on the side of the road. I can't tell you how many times on this drive I was in the passing lane, passing a truck, about to pass a truck. And that's when that truck was like, oh, shit, there's somebody on the side of the road. I need to get over here real quick because, holy shit, what would happen if I fucking slowed down for five minutes and mm-hmm. then or five seconds mm-hmm. and then just, you know, uh, you know, maybe just don't hit somebody. Maybe make sure you don't hit somebody or their car when you're going past them. I thought the whole lane was there so that you avoided the fucking side of the road. Right. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to hit them unless yeah. you're just like, Oh, oops. You know, yeah. I mean, that's not going to happen. Why <laughs> oh, would oops. you fucking get over? Why would you get over in the fucking passing lane when people like me? And that causes so many problems. First off, I have to slow down. What if there's somebody tailgating me? Uh, and I have Frequently, to slow down. There I are mean, yeah. all of this shit just to uh, avoid maybe possibly. I mean, are you, sh- how are you a driver? How do you have a fucking license? If you can't slow down a little bit and just make sure you don't hit anybody on the side of the road. I don't get that. Like there's no reason to get all the fucking way over for that shit. I could go on and on about interstate driving, but those are the main things that fucking passing lane that I, you know, I, I, I've seen people before I've seen people like you're, they're, they're just, there was another, I'm going to get, this is the last part of the rap. <laughs> there was a guy in the right lane. There was a point where there was a guy in the right lane. I was, I was uh, catching up to him. And there was a guy passing me, about to pass me. This guy in the, the, the guy in front of me was behind another truck, had the whole lane to go and pass this guy and just didn't for the longest time. And then finally he was just forced, okay, I'm going to get over and pass this guy. So I always thought, okay, this is somebody who adheres to the right lane a lot, maybe too much. He gets over in the left lane and passes. And then I get over in the left lane and pass. And then I'm like, okay, this dude's going to get over once he passes this car. Nope. He fucking stayed in the left lane, the passing yeah. lane, the rest of the way. Now yeah. we are in a point where the, we're about to pass another truck. It's a, it's coming up in about five to 10 seconds. We're about to pass them in my rear view. There's a truck that comes right up on my bumper. And then another truck behind him that comes right up on that guy's bumper. And I'm like, okay, we're in that limbo right now where I can't get over and everything. Now, this truck decides to get off the next exit, the one that we're passing. Now, I'm sitting there going, okay, I can ease over into the right lane and let these people pass and everything. But I I get over in the right lane and truck that's two cars behind is already like diagonally passed, like ready to pass everybody on the right and everything like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. just, Just wait wait two seconds just wait if i stay in the lane it's fair game but if i it, yeah. give me a chance give me a fucking chance to get over for you you know it's it's not like i was in this left lane for no fucking reason we were passing that truck remember i think people <laughs> are i think people really only see like five feet in front of them 
a lot of times. Yeah. When yeah. I see the way people drive, I'm like, I'm when you see people get over in the right lane to pass a lot of times, you go, you do see that there's a fucking thing blocking you from driving there, right? Why are they you? Do why not. are you there? It, it could be a giant fucking truck, and they will not see that thing on the right hand side. They'll think, "Oh, I'm a fucking Dukes of Hazard car, yeah, and I'm gonna whip around this and get right back in front." of Oftentimes, they actually do to the detriment of everybody involved on the road. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of the stuff that was going on that weekend. It was like uh, I just. These are things that I have, I have I have run into time and again over the years. This isn't the first time any of this shit's happened. It continues to happen. People don't care, and I understand. You know, we're the human race, especially fucking Americans these days, are horrible, and we're gonna keep running into this shit over and over again because there's no enforcement of this fucking passing lane shit. You're not supposed to be in this lane if you're not passing people. And you're not mm. supposed to drive this fucking recklessly everywhere just because of certain little things that ir- irk you. But there's never going to, a cop's never going to pull somebody over for any of the shit that I just talked about. Never. Not only that, but in Nashville, in the last four or five months, we've had half a dozen interstate shootings because of yeah. shootings, yeah. some resulting in death. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because people disagreed on the road, like with that kind of shit going on, all of us who are capable of driving like normal people should do so and stop Mm -hmm. driving so aggressively. And maybe the people who have the guns and do the shootings will stand out more because the rest of us look normal, scary Mm -hmm. out there. It really is. I tell you what, I've always been a bit of an aggressive driver, and I'm like uh, Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. I drive real fucking fast, <laughs> but like, but uh, I got to admit, I've slowed my roll, man, on uh, on being aggressive with people because of that that shit. People literally have hair triggers uh, these days, and I, I was talking to my Japanese friend uh, back when I was working at Vanderbilt, and he was riding with me somewhere and I think I honked the horn, uh, which I know some people don't like, but I, I honked the horn. I thought it was justified. Uh, but, uh, my buddy Masa was like, Whoa, like I had just, you know, done something insane. Mm-hmm. And I was, when we got to the the restaurant or wherever we we're going, he was like, wow. I was like, what was the big deal? And he was like, you honked the horn. And I was like, yeah, you don't do that in Japan. He's like, no, I do it all the time in Japan. I just don't do it in America because you motherfuckers have guns. <laughs> Seriously. And I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I would probably honk all the time in Japan because the worst thing you can do is yell and gesture and stuff like that. But yeah, man, keep your heads out there. Don't, don't, everybody's, everybody's a person. Everybody's a human. Uh, let's all get along well, out now there. that I don't think it's a coincidence. I'm sure it is statistically, but it doesn't feel like a coincidence that this is all coming so recently after the state decided to allow everybody to carry a gun without a license. Um, mm-hmm. because they, even beyond the shootings, there's an increase in people flashing guns, uh, even in the suburbs, like road rage incidents that lead to somebody flashing a gun, even if they don't fire it, it's just like, Jesus, I just want to get, some milk and some eggs. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> get home alive. Yeah. <laughs> as mad as I get sometimes, it ain't worth it, man. No. Nope. It ain't worth it to nope. really, really get after somebody. 
especially where we live. Yeah, uh, it's the wild fucking southeast. Down yep. There was some. There was discussion that uh, you know that, but you know, there's in the basketball playoffs because there's been so many incidents of yeah. uh, people getting you know the players getting uh, bottles thrown at them like Kyrie Irving and mm-hmm. um, the. There's been some just a lot of fan incidents, you know. There's somebody been some got suggestions. Spit on. Yeah, somebody got yeah. spit on. Um, there's been suggestion that you know we just haven't been out enough in the last year to know what uh, what that is. But I'm like, I don't understand that either. We're I, still look, humans, dude. <laughs> I I went out I, like this. The I went to a restaurant for the first time in like you know like about three or four weeks ago for Mother's Day. That was the first time I'd been out to a restaurant since March of 2020. And, um, and then all this other stuff that's happened in the last two weeks, there's a lot of firsts since then or whatever, but there's never once did I go out and go, well, how do we do this again? How has this happened? <laughs> Would, I, I wouldn't go to an arena and be like, you know, I have a water bottle in my hand. Do I throw it at Kyrie Irving? I'm not sure. I think, I think in the past I used to, but I'm not sure, you know. And Let's go on and give it a shot. Let's give it a shot and see what I'm happens. I'm mad Understand. the Predators are losing. Do I spit on the opposing player or no? Right, right. I can't remember. Take that, Aho. And <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I, I, you know, I understand that there's, there's this idea that we're all at this breaking point and everything, but I'm sorry that it just doesn't make sense to me that people are that fucking, that fucking wound up. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just something I don't understand yet. Maybe that's something that we just, you know, we're, you know, maybe we have to, I don't know what we have to do about that right now. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to briefly talk about my boy, Bruno Mars. All right. mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I know I've talked about Bruno Mars before Yeah. Uh, and how I'm not mad at him, but I'm disappointed in him mm-hmm. uh, for, for mm-hmm. how, his creative trajectory has gone. I remain uh, convinced that he is a generational talent, mm-hmm. uh, both as a musician, as a multi, uh, multi able, capable musician. He plays drums, piano, guitar, all of them. Well, he's a terrific singer um, and he can do anything he wants to. I really think so. Um, so just recently, now I was talking about this in the last time when he released 24 karat magic, which I thought was, eh, it was just like, oh, I'm going to party. I'm going to fuck my bitches. I'm going to drink. I'm going to have gold. I'm going to gamble and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And like, you know what? Homeboy was in his twenties or whatever it was. Do your thing. Right. I'm thinking maybe he would do something more substantive, um, later in his career. But no, he is now uh, grouped up with another amazing talent uh, in Anderson Pock uh, to form a group called, or a group, yeah, it's a group called Silk Sonic. What is Silk Sonic? It's about fucking folks. Mm. It's about like getting your silk robe on and uh, and and making filet mignon and drinking champagne and and fucking till your balls fall off. And tell me if you've heard that before from Bruno Mars, because you've heard it every fucking album. And it's getting to the point where it's, there's always been a commentary out there that Bruno Mars is, quote, derivative. Uh, I will not use another 
adjective that people have given to Bruno Mars and his music. I think whatever he does, it's his prerogative to do, but it's derivative. He does Michael Jackson. He does, uh, he even did like a Prince Purple Rain cover at the Grammys one year after Prince died. That was obviously derivative, had no spin on it whatsoever. Uh, he does 70s R&B. He does 80s R&B. And there's some truth to that. On, on Orthodox Jukebox, his, his best album, I think, he's done, you know, the Treasure song. You remember that Treasure song? Treasure! Boom, boom, boom. It's very derivative of like late 70s, early 80s. Disco-ish, uh, R&B-ish. Yeah, and I liked it. I was defending it. I was like, you know what? He's all right. He's He's, he's got some juice. Now that uh, Silk Sonic has come out, the leave your door, leave the door open is the the main single. Have you guys heard this one? Nope, uh, yeah, Chris. I'm sure you've seen the video, right? Epic, awesome videos. Yeah, uh, it is all over every satellite and FM station <clears throat> uh, in the U.S. He's become uh, <laughs> uh, Michelle and Dege Ocello uh, a few years ago said he's a karaoke artist. And I even took offense to it at that point. I was like, no, Bruno has his own sound and he's his own man. He's a fucking karaoke artist at this point. Uh, he's a talented one, um, but he's doing 70s R&B uh, in a subgenre, uh, what's called Quiet Storm, uh, which really has some roots to it. And it's like seductive R&B. But you know what? That was done in the 70s and it was done well in the 70s. And why are you doing it now? You compare him to the generational or the the really really good uh, talents of the day, the Billie Eilish's, the Lady Gaga's. Like you could even compare him to like a discount version of Prince a generation ago. Uh, he's got that ability um, if he gets with the right people. You, you, we've all heard Uptown Funk uh, with Mark Ronson. We've all heard Locked Out of Heaven. With Mark Ronson. I think he needs something <laughs> like that. Those are his two best songs by far to me. Um, and I think he needs somebody like that to make him push it just a little bit. He's not trying, and I don't think he wants to, and it's disappointing so to me. You're saying <laughs> if someone's got a retro sound, they still need to figure out something that makes it stand out from that retro sound you know that you that people can listen to it and go yeah i can i can i can hear the hint of the 70s in this but he's doing something with it that i like that's different are you saying that has to happen or i believe so and that's what you got is Funk. it impossible to enjoy as a retro sound that's just directly thieving from a decade another decade like that song came on that song that you're talking about uh comes on mtv all the time and i i like the song it's like i'm not gonna go out rush out and buy the album or anything mm -hmm. but um but i tend to like it but i also understand yeah i understand what you're saying it's just that i don't know if is there a is there a requirement for an artist to i mean i, I guess if they want to be considered the best or one of the best they have to do something new with it right i mean sure you can you can copy a sound you can play Nirvana covers. You can play something very akin to Nirvana. They fed a bunch of, uh, fed a bot a bunch of Nirvana songs, and it shitted out like a new song, a new Nirvana song. Mm. And it sounded like Nirvana. <laughs> uh, there's a one, 
I, I swear to God, it sounded I'd exactly like as much about like Nirvana it. as it does about the computer's ability. I think, but at the time, Nirvana was doing something new. Yeah. It, we we see all the time, there's uh, Silver Sun Pickups was one of these in, uh, a few years ago that took a kind of 90s swingish, not swing, but like like a Smashing Pumpkins type of aesthetic and put their spin on it. There's a terrific band that's actually based in Nashville called Bully, a uh, three-piece that fucking rocks. I've seen it um, in uh, in Chicago. And it's very, very 90s, very fuzzy, very Dinosaur Juniors, very a little bit uh, Nirvana, mm-hmm. but not that. It's yeah. not that. I don't know if you guys have heard of this band, but Greta Van Fleet yep. uh, is a band that if you listen to it and didn't know it wasn't Led Zeppelin, you would mm-hmm. think it was Led Zeppelin. They are doing Led Zeppelin. Now, do they have every right to do that? Absolutely. Do it. They're excellent musicians. Do your thing, baby. If you like playing Led Zeppelin songs that aren't Led Zeppelin songs, do your thing. <laughs> but, like, it has been done well, yeah, before. We're a Led Zeppelin cover band that plays no Led Zeppelin songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. You would think, like, oh, that's Robert Plant. I mean, the guy sounds exactly like Robert Plant. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. But, like... If you don't put a twist on it, man, you're just repeating your fucking karaoke artist. And I hate it because I know Bruno's got some some funk in his in his jollies <laughs> in in there, in his in his blood, in his veins, in his in his plums. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but it's not coming out, man. And he's under no obligation to do it, obviously. But I remain you know, just kind of uh, thinking that we, we missed an opportunity uh, for for this guy to really push some boundaries. And I thought he was going to get there, but he ain't going to get there. He's comfy doing Maybe, this thing. I mean, there is perspective to keep in mind. I think if you got to know him, I don't know him. I don't know why I said if you got to know him, because I don't know him. <laughs> I think it's possible he... This is music he loves. This is music he grew up listening to, and and he enjoys doing 70s, I guess, pop-type stuff. Uh, he doesn't want to stretch, maybe. I don't know. Um, I think that's what it is. I guess that's – I mean, he's he's made a billion dollars. You know, why would he do anything different? I, I, I compare it to Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga wants to go do a, an album of standards with Tony Bennett. She can do that. Right. And and do it well. That album fucking rules. But she's also always pushing boundaries, uh, whether I like the song or not eh, <laughs> or yeah. what she's doing. We can make she's an argument. She's trying something new. Some of her early stuff is very Madonna-esque. And I wouldn't be the first one to make that argument. But she has grown beyond that, I think, is the difference. Um mm. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. He's incredibly talented. Um, he is. I like three or four of his songs a, a great deal. But I see what you're saying in terms of he seems to kind of be sitting in this one lane. And uh, it's the fast lane, Chris. And he doesn't know that he needs to get over so that the musicians who want to innovate behind him can go faster. You see, I like how I tied those two rants together. I, that's amazing. He is such a dick for doing that. <laughs> I mean, the last comparison I'll make, uh, apples to oranges, is we were talking fairly recently about George Clooney and his later career, right? 
it, it feels like we missed out on the the last prime years of Clooney because he didn't need to, right? He 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 was satisfied he could do whatever he wanted to. Uh, it's way earlier in Bruno, Bruno Mars's career, but like I feel like he's he's gonna do whatever he wants to and not challenge anything. And God bless him. Do what you want. Live your best life. I just wanted a little, a little more, and that's that's it. Well, especially with those two, like you're saying, if you you're if you're gonna if you're gonna team up team up with uh, Anderson Pock, and I mean this rant could go on with about Anderson Pock too, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think he's him doing this to me is is different because I bet you his next album will be like a Daft Punk esque record or something like that you know what i mean because he he's probably just taking a break and being like oh yeah man i like this vibe and doing it and moving on i think bruno is in this undercurrent and just sliding he's like in the (laughs) one of those lazy rivers that they have around fucking water parks yeah all right um do we have any recommends and warns totes amaze balls there great it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made Ooh. what do you think i will go i will go all right i will go i have this started as a record warn and as i continued watching it turned into a warn amend and then as i gave up it turned into a warn (laughs) this is a relatively new netflix film uh sci-fi called stowaway um, oh. <laughs> starring I warned, i've been warned not to watch this movie <laughs> oh my god uh starring anna kendrick friend of the show um mm-hmm. also tony collette daniel day kim daniel day kim from lost is that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and it has a pretty cool premise a three-person mission to mars uh one of those don't talk much about it but important for humanity missions (laughs) and on their way there they discover an accidental stowaway and this immediately complicates the oxygen situation on the ship um and it's pretty quickly concluded that all four of them will asphyxiate before they get to mars because there's only enough air for three of them. Mm. Now, <clears throat> perhaps it was the mood I was in. Sometimes, sometimes you just want a movie to be something it's not, and maybe that's what happened here. Um, I really wish the movie would have leaned hard into that, but it keeps finding ways to dance around that issue and deflect it and try and be a sci-fi thriller. Uh, whereas if it had leaned harder into this moral conundrum, like what I wanted to see, granted, I'm not making the movie. Mystery Guitar Man is. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. Penna, the guy that made mm-hmm. the Mads Mikkelsen uh, Polar. No, yep. Arctic. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> one of those. Um, yeah. One of those cold <laughs> movies. And And he wanted to do other stuff with it. I... I wanted them to go, sorry, dude, accidental stowaway. You work for NASA. I'm sure you signed something. You got to go and then boot him off the ship and then Mm -hmm. stumble into some way to find more oxygen. 
and realized that you killed somebody you didn't have to. I think that would have been an interesting psychological sure twist. Instead, they just keep they're like, okay, let's 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 use this newfangled Star Trek babble stuff to to scrub the air of CO2. Okay, that buys us a couple of days. Now that's done. Okay, well, let's take the algae experiment we we're going to do on Mars and do it here to spread more oxygen into the air. Oh, okay, well, half the algae died, and we still only have air for three people. It's just keep extending the deadline in ways that aren't exciting or thrilling. And the movie's biggest problem is it's boring. Oh, it, that's not good. It opens, it opens literally on a launch. And for like half a second, there's like a fuel warning and they think they might have to abort. And then, no, they don't. And then they go mm-hmm. up and there's like a 10-minute sequence of them docking and somebody throws up. And I'm like, where are the fucking stakes? What am I, what, what's happening? Who, who are you? What, where are you going? I don't know any of this. And it just tries to be, I think, too many things at once. There are some shots where I just feel like the cinematographer or the director is just like, look at how cool this shot is. It's symmetrical, right? Like mm-hmm. the right side and the left side are the same. You see? <laughs> and you see? I was just, you know, Anna Kendrick, I feel like she got, prequel natalie portman in this movie like (laughs) she got george lucas she's a fine actress who's super charming and somehow stripped of all of her charm uh tony collette as an actress of great depth and she's turned into largely a barking orders commander uh daniel day kim was awesome on lost and he's turned into some sort of nebbish nerdy scientist who doesn't show my I, just, I was so disappointed in every decision they made that i literally went from recommend record warn all the way to warn um and the end is just preposterous did it you make it to burn. the end i made it to the end i did i gave up before the credits rolled but i'm quite certain it was the it was the final shot or next to final shot and it's not earned at all and it's just Oh, they didn't even make it pay off at the end, even for all the the boring stuff. Because I want to see how it turns out. And I'm sure that's what kept you around, right? Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you how it turns out if you want to save the time. It's just... Yeah, go ahead. I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm warned. I think it's glossy. It's pretty. But it's not a passenger's Um, level wreck a warn or anything like that you know even ad astra or passengers first time i saw them were much more interesting and riveting and um took unique turns and this is just it's like you wait like 25 minutes just going what is even happening what is this movie about and then they find the stowaway and you're like oh maybe you waited this long because you don't have you have a Twilight Zone episode and you stretched it into an entire movie. Mm. Um, and if it had been a 30-minute short, I think it could have been really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, even that fucking Life movie with uh, Hall, and that's yeah. no good. It's just all of those mm-hmm. have more spunk and charisma than this thing. It's just sleepy. I'm mm. sorry. Mm. Mm. All right. All right. That's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Although it could easily be sinned. I have actually here, I wrote notes. Let me, let me, I meant, I meant to read you these notes. Wrote notes. 
I, wrote I notes. hate this movie so much. I'm going to write notes about it. All right. So here are my notes. Still away. She has her helmet on the entire launch. They all do. If you can have the face shield open, why wear the helmet at all? When they think they might abort, she orders the face shields down. What? Um, <laughs> and then I wrote, there's a whole scene where she carries a space helmet through the entire ship. It's like a one shot. And then at the end, she screws it onto a spacesuit. And I'm like, why was it all the way on the other side of the ship to begin with? Why did you not <laughs> store it with the spaceship suit? That, uh, a lot of showy camera work that doesn't improve things. There's a triple focus shot on three characters. So you know how they do that pull focus thing where somebody's in the background and somebody's right next to the camera and you can see both of them clearly? Mm-hmm. They do a triple version of that with somebody in the middle. And it's for a two-second shot of like expositional dialogue. They, do, they completely waste the setup. Um, all right. If this had lesser actors and a, big, and a smaller budget, I might be raving about it. It's that kind of movie. Um, so there you go. I actually have more yeah. notes, but I sensed that the room was souring <laughs> on the note reading, so I, I ended early. Yeah, I had I, I was actually warned about this movie uh, just a few days ago, actually. So wow, like, you know it's 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 becoming like Midnight Sky was, where like everybody's coming watching those watching that movie and going fuck this movie <laughs> all at once, a collective fuck this movie. I'm going to straight up warn and possibly spoil the entire thing movie. I, so I, I talk about this uh, sort of gathering that I have with a few friends from uh, the theater uh, once a month where somebody picks two movies we watch and discuss uh, every once in a while. We'll, we'll go to some place like the bell court and watch a movie uh as and that will be the we did the irishman that way we i think we did some other movie um but um there was uh this was going to be our first like gathering since you know pandemic and everything everybody's vaxxed and uh let's go watch a movie together so uh whoever's turn it was to pick picked a movie at Belcourt called new order which yes there's a band called new order that uh that broke off of joy division a long time ago um but um this movie is uh set in mexico and it follows it's we're on a we're at a wedding and um it's a bunch of wealthy people uh somebody comes in to the wedding who worked with them many years ago and says, uh, my, my wife is in the hospital and I don't have the money for the surgeries and everything. And I was wondering if you could help out. And we, and these wealthy people who, who could probably easily give this guy the money don't, uh, they give him some money, but not a lot of money. Uh, and it sort of sets up the fact that there is a, a tremendous gap because there is, there are poor people and rich people. And it seems like the poor people have finally had it, um, because on the outskirts of all this wedding uh, uh, stuff is there's rioting going on there. Um, there's uh, people, there's something involving green liquid, which I, I don't think I ever got explained hmm. um, in all of this. Uh, uh, you know, people throwing green liquid at people and everything. Um, uh, the, the guy asking for help leaves and one person at the wedding, one of our main characters decides, okay, um, I was going to give him the money. I'm going to go chase him down and, and give him the rest of the money. So she gets in a car with somebody. I can't remember who it is. Somebody related to the guy who came in or whatever. They go out onto the streets 
and they're driving around and there's cops everywhere, cops barricading everything. They can't get to an interstate, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. They have to find a back way. Meanwhile, back at the wedding, there's a, a whole bunch of people who have infiltrated the wedding and they're just killing everybody at the wedding. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and this is, it starts off where you're like, oh, this could be really fucking interesting. This movie, I don't know if nihilist is the best way to describe it. We... Nihilist, dude. Fuck. Yeah. Um, that is a setup where you're like, oh, our main gal got out of the wedding before all this, ma this massacre happened. Good for her. She's going to be able to do something. I don't know. We'll figure it out uh, where it's going to, there's going to be a happy ending and everything. She goes to meet the guy and to give him the money and the, the cops come in and they say, you know, the cops run into her and they say, um, we'll take you back home. And uh, she doesn't know what's happened yet and everything. Um, so she's driving in this, uh, she's in this uh, like big, uh, you know, whatever, one of these big, huge uh, wagons or whatever. And the cops tell her that, basically basically let her know that she's not going home she they're they're going to take her into prison mm -hmm. because because the, they're because they're corrupt cops and they know that she's wealthy and then they know they can get money from her and everything so they they put her in prison and uh and she's in prison for no reason at all and it looks like the cops are just basically trying to ransom off as many wealthy people as they can get all this money and there's a horrific horrific rape scene in this King. movie uh, it's just fucking awful. Um, and you're just like, okay, all of this, all of this ordeal and everything. Um, uh, there's, there's a few people still left alive from this wedding party who are trying to figure out where she is and if they can save her, they get the ransom call. And, uh, and, uh, there's a point where her brother, is talking to their their father and he says something like is this something i should get victor on we don't know who victor is victor sounds like somebody who's a badass and you're like oh man victor's gonna come in and he's gonna kick some fucking ass later on in this movie uh and the father's like no no don't bring victor in on this uh they they get their maid and somebody else to do the the handoff the money they go to this prison they hand off whatever it was, 800,000 pesos. I don't know what that translates into American dollars or whatever, but um, it's a bunch of money. And then they say, well, that's good for now, but we'll, we'll take a million tomorrow. So they just keep on adding to the, adding to the thing. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the, the main gal in this is just, you know, she's in, this is, you know, this is a prison movie. They don't linger too much on a lot of the bad stuff, but you can assume that, Every day is a fucking torture trial for her. Jeez. Um, the finally she is, she is allowed out and, um, and the, uh, the cops are going to, uh, are, are going to take her home. <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm spoiling the fuck out of this movie because it's a warn and a half for me. <laughs> um, they take her back to this place and we're like, okay, she's finally out of this ordeal. And uh, they take her to this place, and instantly she gets shot in the head. Oh, oh my! Okay. And then the two people who were uh, paying the ransom for the wealthy family and everything, 
they get shot too to make it look like they they had they had kidnapped her and that they were the ones doing all the ransoming and all that and so so then so then it goes back to this dude and he's like he keeps talking about victor and you're like hell yeah victor's gonna come in on this victor i tell you man victor is gonna come in and he is gonna fucking mop up the floor with all these people who've been such dicks the whole movie we cut to oh the maid isn't dead yet she goes they they show they show her getting punished because there has to be some sort of fall guy and all this so she's in in a square of some sort where she's she's getting hanged with two other people they they let the they let the whatever the, the gallows drop or whatever she gets hanged and you're like okay fucking victor victor is coming in yeah. Roll credits! Oh, oh no, Victor! No. Victor! Wow! Is the sequel going to have Victor? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the sequel is going to be a completely different movie, man. That sounds like I a fucked up movie. It is fucked up. There's no hope in this movie, and I know that's the point. I know that's <laughs> the point. There, nobody comes off good in this movie. It's the cops are corrupt. The wealthy are horrible people. The people who are writing are horrible people. Um, uh, there's just no, there, there's no good in all of this. And I understand that's what they're going for. And like, and, and it's one of those movies where you're expecting a happy ending to come out of this. Fuck you. There's no happy <laughs> endings in life. Oh no, Jesus. Oh. And, and it was just one of those movies. Like afterwards, we were all outside talking about this movie going, uh, don't, I don't know about what I just saw. That was, that was kind of fucked up um yeah i mean i didn't see and this is one of those movies i didn't see a trailer didn't read anything about it or anything and uh and was there a theme for this this pick like uh, you guys typically have like like some sort of like a how these two movies that i recommend are related or whatever right 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 right. no there was no theme this was just a movie that was out at belcourt and then just decided to go to watch it other and normally there would be a second movie along with this. Mm. Uh, our Belcourt trips typically don't have a second movie though. It's just uh, I got it's you. just the movie, and uh, and I think this was picked because it looked interesting. And sure enough, at the beginning you're going to be riveted. You're going to be like, "Holy shit! Look at all this stuff that's going down, man. This is some serious shit." Look at the green liquid. Look at yeah. that green liquid. <laughs> that's going to be that's uh, going to come into play. Yeah, you bottle it just right. I would drink that green liquid um but like it's just it's just it's it's headed towards it's like you know how the departed is where like it, it seems like oh, oh here is this here's this guy he gets shot oh here's this yeah. guy he gets shot yeah. you know yeah, i was thinking that same thing when you were saying that uh, when she comes in just gets shot in the head like there are no heroes in the departed like everybody's scum <laughs> Yeah. Besides maybe Queen and yeah, well, like, as, and he's still scum. As right? an aside, that I remember watching The Departed and just like hearing people laugh, especially when Mark Wahlberg uh, kills Matt Damon at the end, because it's just we've just seen like like six or seven people who were main characters just fucking drop like flies, headshots. Like, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So anyway, yeah, new order, not, not, I mean, that is, uh, I, I needed something a little bit more uplifting. I'm sorry. Maybe if I was, maybe if I was, uh, in a better mood, that's the kind of movie I'd be all about, you know? Yeah, man, there are no happy endings. Everybody's fucked, but you know, this, no, I, I I'm going to warn it. 
All right, everybody, it's time to talk about movie. Yes. Movie. Movie. <laughs> movie. You know, but I got a recommendation from our uh, our buddy Patrick over at Modern Horrors. And like uh, he said, there's a movie called Sun Don't Shine on movie right now. And so I watched it. And uh, it's, it's a very unusual uh, independent film where there's this woman played by Caitlin Scheel. You've seen her in You're Next. Oh. Um, uh, and... Uh, and her boyfriend or who we don't really know the relationship right off the bat, but we assume boyfriend, uh, played by Kentucker Audley. Um, and, uh, and the movie starts, goes like right into it. There's no opening credits or, or like establishing shots or anything like that. They're fighting at the very beginning of this and they're, they're out by a car. We don't know what their situation is. We know that she's done something and he's helping her out, but we don't know what it is right off the bat. Hmm. And there's sort of revelations as the, as they drive along, they're trying to find this place in the Everglades. And of course, this is a very Florida movie. Uh, like this is, I feel like, I feel like Florida has just gotten to the point where you just expect if you were to drive to Florida, you expect to see this shit going on on the side <laughs> of the road. Um, you know, that type of, it's got that kind of reputation now. But uh, as this goes along, uh, we, you know, I don't know if I really want to say what she's done, but they're trying to get to the Everglades to have a, have an alibi. Basically, he has called somebody he knows down in this area so that they can have an alibi. And meanwhile, it's just them, it's a, it's them conversing back and forth she is very impulsive and and like you know if she wants something she goes right after it and if he says please don't do this she keeps going on and on she's got it very frustrating that way um uh you know if he says tells her to do one thing it's very clear she's not going to do that thing no matter what um and uh and so it 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 goes along until it gets to i mean again i can't spoil anything about this movie or anything but uh, until it gets to its uh its end what are they is she is are they going to get away with whatever just happened are they not it's got some it's just got some really good performances in it and uh and it was directed by amy simons who's also in your next she's an actress she's mainly an actress but she has directed quite a few things too um uh but uh it's a very interesting movie that's on movie right now and uh, just thank thank patrick for that uh that uh, recommendation yeah usually i mean he knows how to recommend his personal taste mm-hmm. is whack though i hope you're listening mm-hmm. patrick <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, Sun Don't Shine. It's uh, it's you know a very you uh, Barrett. You were about to ask what? How would you classify this movie? It's, it's it's a it's like a crime romance. Oh, okay. Kind of movie. Oh, crime. Um, we know there's a we. I guess you know like true romance. Uh-huh. Is uh-huh. kind of like that. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. It, there's there's a crime at the center of it, and there's a relationship. Um, and it's a very uncertain relationship. We don't know exactly what's been going on is, uh, you know, and, and this is just, this is an, an onion that just keeps getting peeled away as the movie goes along. We find out what she did. We find out what the relationship is. We find out all these different things. Um, and, and, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it's just one of those movies where you're like, God, you know, this character is 
fucking frustrating, man, because there's nothing like she just nothing can stop her. She doesn't have any kind of like impulse control whatsoever. Hmm. And uh, and so, uh, you know, when she wants to do something, she she usually gets gets to do that thing. Or if she's told not to do it, she ends up finding a way to do it. So it sounds like um, a couple of my cats like zero yeah, yeah, impulse yeah. control. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that, actually. Yeah. I love these times where we get to talk about movie because we I mean, we don't we don't talk about films like that very often. You know, there, there's a there's a lot of stuff on there right now that I have seen, but I haven't seen in forever, and probably wouldn't be prompted to see again if it weren't for movie. Um, Tucker, a man and his dream, uh, huh. 1988 movie that was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, this mm. is before Godfather Three. Uh, I think it's the one right before Godfather Three, actually. Uh, uh, sounds right actually yeah uh but this is a very interesting movie about um a a guy that you know made a objectively delightful automobile uh back in the day but it was way too expensive he didn't really know what he was doing and he was trying to take on the big three of four gmc and uh and uh chrysler at the time um that's on there you want to be scared out of your pants? Watch the <laughs> original Ringu, people. Uh, mm-hmm. People always oh, yeah. say that uh, Korean horror and Japanese horror are much more effective uh, than American horror, and those people are correct. Uh, Ringu <laughs> will absolutely terrify you. Uh, it is what became the ring uh, in America. And while The Ring is a good movie, I'm not saying it's not. Ringu uh, is vastly superior on all levels, in my opinion. I really, yeah, love that man, movie. especially because they they kind of, I mean, the the first Ring essentially copies the first scene, right. of Ringu, yeah. And when you, I watched The Ring first. I didn't know it was a remake when I first watched The Ring. Then I watched Ringu, and I was in that scene where, like, they open the closet door. (laughs) It's it it was terrifying in the first in the American Ring, but in the Japanese Ring, it's un fucking believable how scary it is i would have put that whatever it is wax figure in my the corner of my office and just see what oh Oh my god no kidding (laughs) but i want to talk to you real quick about a movie that uh i had never well i had i had seen little scenes of it but i never like pulled the trigger on it uh it's a it's directed speaking of actors directors by steve buscemi uh called Mm. trees lounge have you guys ever seen this Yes, I did long ago. Okay, long so ago. this this branches off into a lot of different things. Uh, this is uh, written and directed by Steve Buscemi, starring Steve Buscemi, and it's got a murderer's row of uh, of a cast. It's got uh, Chloe Sevigny in a nice part. It's got uh, Anthony LaPaglia in there. It's got uh, Elizabeth Bracco, uh, who you will recognize from The Sopranos uh, and a few other things, but she's also the sister of Lorraine Bracco, uh, who oh. obviously is prominently featured uh, in in uh, in The Sopranos. Samuel L. Jackson, Seymour Cassell, Debbie Mazar, Mimi Rogers plays uh, Chloe Sevigny's uh, uh, mother. And Mark Boone Jr., if you've ever seen uh, Sons of Anarchy, yep. 
you will recognize this guy, Kevin Corrigan. This is this is an absolutely wonderfully cast mid '90s film. And what's interesting about this? It's a very um, family oriented, neighborhood oriented, Long Island type of movie um, it, that uh, that has a nice character arc. I mean, the whole story is fantastic. Uh, and it, it, it just watch it for yourself would be fantastic. But from what I understand, this actually very much influenced David Chase and the formation of the Sopranos um, mm. and in kind of the interactions, uh, the type of characters, and you can see the imprint all over it. Oh, Michael Imperioli is in this, by the way, too. Huh. Uh, and you can see how much David Chase liked it because he invited Steve Buscemi to direct one of the greatest episodes of The Sopranos, uh, the Pine Barrens episode. Uh, so if you like The Sopranos, if you like that sort of interesting um, New Yorkish, New Jerseyish type of story. This is right up your alley. It is a doesn't Buscemi even film. have a a role in The Sopranos at one point? Like a, a yeah, he plays like uh, Tony's cousin or something like that. That's I what think. I thought. Yeah, all right, I just want to make sure I wasn't going crazy. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. all these are connected. Uh, Trees Lounge is the name of a bar that kind of is the inciting. Uh, place for everything to happen. Daniel Baldwin, by the way, is is in this too, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he's had his issues, and I don't want to minimize that, but uh, he is awesome in this film. Uh, I think you guys would would love to watch this again. Uh, would very much enjoy it if you if you uh, gave it a shot. And it's on movie. Listen, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I just we just rattled off Ringu Tucker. Uh, uh, the, the, the trees lounge. What was yours, Chris? Sun don't shine. Sun don't shine. Sun don't shine. And that's just off the top of our heads, folks. All right. There's a million things in here that you can dive into. If you haven't done this already, people sign up, go to movie, M U B I.com slash cinema sins. You're going to get a month free. I'm, I'm telling you people, what else do I have to do? Do you want, do you want my blood? Do you, what do you want money? You want money from me? <laughs> Go to movie.com slash cinema It's free for 30 days. Bask a lot. in the, in lot. the glorious, in the gloriousness mm-hmm. that is cinematic curated goodness. Movie.com slash cinema Get off your sack and do it now. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. You know, people be Debbie Downers and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. going to bring some joy into this into this session. So I'm going to be, bring levity and happiness and joy and frivolity to the proceedings and recommend, Ooh. fully recommend, mm-hmm. a wholly unnecessary remake, 2016's The Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Oh. You guys, you guys remember this coming out? I do. I, I remember it. um, it's got not Jennifer Lawrence in it. Yes, Dude, she looks so much like Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yes, she does. It's Haley Bennett, and God bless her. She's a, a perfectly fine actor. She was in, 
I know uh, where girl you were on the, the train. Window. Girl in the window. Yeah. I know where yeah. you were on the train. <laughs> you, were you were on, on the gr- third car back, window side. <laughs> <laughs> and she was fine in that. She was the one that got killed, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. I don't fucking yeah. know. She was, yeah. She was the yeah, woman in the window. Was. And the other Emily one was the Bourne woman on the train. Was the one yeah. on the train, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's she is wonderful in this. I tell you what, like I said, the original Magnificent Seven with Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen and Charles Bronson and all the wonderful people at the time. I think it was 1960. I think it was 1960 that the original. Well, I say the American original came out. It was based on The Seven Samurai, which is a Kurosawa uh, film right it was the uh, the uh the yeah the yule brenner steve mcqueen was 1960 that one's excellent you should totally watch that totes mm-hmm. but if you're looking for a western in which denzel washington and chris pratt and ethan hawk and vincent d'onofrio and byung hung lee and uh, a few other uh actors that you recognize kind of kick ass mm-hmm. and old school take over a town, take on an oil baron, three amigos that shit and get mobilized the town and save the bell tower and, and, and shit like that. This is delightful. This movie is too much fun. It is uh, talk about a derivative. Uh, I mean, this is a copy of a copy, but it's so good. It's so much fun. Uh, Anton, Antoine Fuqua, actually. Uh, Fuqua. 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 Uh, he directed this. So it's nice to see him, Ethan Hawke, and Denzel back together after training day. Um, and it ain't... It, I, I miss reinterpretations of Westerns in modern day. There's a reason that I love 310 to Yuma. There's a reason that, and I mean, Unforgiven is now not really a modern Western. <laughs> it's so fucking old. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, it, it, there's a reason I love ba- Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Like, I, I am good with setting these things in the American West. There used to be so many of these Westerns coming out, including the Magnificent Seven in the 60s, the original uh, American version. And now we get one you know, uh, mass marketed one, maybe once every what three to five years, I think, uh, there are a few upcoming, but sign me up for this stuff, man. I I am a sucker for it, especially what's in the hands of a good director, a cast that's having clearly fun. Now, Chris Pratt, um, I think he's a good actor. I think he's funny here he's really kind of at the top of his game because he's playing a humorous guy that cracks wise, but he's also like that doc holiday type of gunslinger dude. And I like that. He plays it off perfectly. It's really, really good. Uh, I would totally recommend this. Peter Sarsgaard plays the, the villain. We all know how well Peter Sarsgaard plays a villain from green lantern alone. Like he really showed his chops. Uh, Haley Bennett, Luke Grimes, who you'll recognize, is Haley Bennett's buddy. Matt Bomer uh, from Book of Mormon originally uh, plays her husband, hilariously, uh, plays her <laughs> husband. Uh, so there's there's a lot of good people in there. 
you can tell everybody's having fun. They get to ride horses, shoot guns, they get to you, ride bang, bang. horses. Man, that was and on Denzel the poster for Bad Girls. Is Denzel? The <laughs> they get to ride horses. They're women. <laughs> yeah, we actually send this movie, and that was the only time I had watched it. <clears throat> um, and I remember enjoying it, but you have your sin hat on, and you're like, mm, "Well, here's here's what's going on here." Ride horses, <clears throat> uh, but just but just watching it for pleasure, I found it a lot of fun. Did you, did you guys enjoy it? You said you you'd seen it, right? I haven't seen it. <clears throat> uh, I remember liking this. Okay, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think. I don't know you 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 have it in your head about you know and i've seen the seven samurai i don't know if i've seen the original magnificent seven actually oh really um, mine's the opposite <laughs> yeah i've seen seven samurai and it's good and it's you know it's a, it's a as every bit the classic uh so yeah uh i watched this and i was like yeah this is pretty good i like all these actors and everything so it's it's yeah i, I don't remember much else about it i can't remember i think i was on the sins video on this but it was actually me and a previous thanks. writer but you were the you were the uh, approval um because, okay. uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I actually remembered that too, but, uh, it, what, what, why this is a, it, it is a recommend and really there is no warn, but what I would love to do is have this cast together, have this directed together and make a new Western. It ain't that hard people. Rio Bravo is basically the same movie as the searchers <laughs> and the magnificent seven. Uh, well, actually I should say Rio Bravo is basically this story, right? It's a bunch of. A, mm-hmm. a, an outmanned group that is going up against, you know, a posse with cannons and Gatling guns and stuff like that. And shenanigans ensue. Um, just come up with something new and, and do that. You don't have to remake the Magnificent Seven for fuck's sake. It's not long before we uh, remake Unforgiven, right? There's going to be somebody wanting to remake Unforgiven. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, man. It's probably going to be Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he'll still be the main guy in it too. Like, isn't he? Uh, he's 91 today, he won't make, isn't he? Or yesterday? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yesterday. It was like, like yesterday or today. Yeah. 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 He's old. Uh, Simmons is old. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so on this go around, uh, Jeremy warned Stowaway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I warned a movie called New Order. Mm-hmm. from mexico uh currently playing in one of my local theaters i don't know if it's uh out uh in uh various cities or whatever but uh i saw it in theaters and barrett recommended the 2016 magnificent seven mm-hmm. all right so mm-hmm. we want to do mm-hmm. some uh some questions question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening yeah mm-hmm. shit yeah all right this one comes this one comes to us from Barrett S. in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. Ah, ah. Uh, about this friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, mm-hmm. What do we think about the viability of movie theaters now and in the future? Okay. Hey, guys. I'm going to come clean. This was my question. Okay. What? what? I know. Hey. Hey. What? I know. I know. I know. It was very cleverly cloaked. Uh, I am fascinated by this because I remember we had so many conversations at the beginning of this pandemic, both amongst ourselves 
and uh, with Aaron Dicer, who's a theater critic or theater critic, a movie critic, um, and with our uh, colleague Jonathan, um, and and you guys pretty uniformly, I believe, said that it was going to fundamentally change uh, movie theaters. Um, I may be remembering that wrong, uh, and I was a little shocked by that because of course that was the beginning of the pandemic. We didn't know how long this was going to last. We didn't know what restrictions they were going to put in. We didn't know how we were going to adapt that kind of thing. Um, now that it seems as though are all of the theaters in our area open at some capacity? I don't think so. Okay. But Oh, all of them. Oh, maybe not. But I it, thought they were. But uh, most of them. Let me, would you let say, me, let me take a look at, uh, the ticket thing because last time when i went to go see spiral like hollywood 27 wasn't open maybe they opened them up to yeah i guess they've opened them up to okay all right um so at so, this point yeah so at this point we are we are crawling out of this both societally and cinematically um you mentioned you, you saw one i'm jealous that you get to go to the bell court i, I love the bell court um mm -hmm. I have not personally been to a, a movie theater uh, since this is done because my son is getting his second vaccine dose uh, in a couple of days. Um, what do you guys think? You guys are obviously um, much more of an expert on this uh, than I am. I was curious to get your thoughts. Hmm. All right. So while this pandemic was going on, I didn't know how theaters, theater chains like Regal, Carmike, AMC, although there may not be a Carmike anymore, um, uh, just the, th the big theater chains were going to stay afloat while they had absolutely no business whatsoever. Mm. I mean, they might have they might have been able to get some uh, some PPP loans and and they've been able to stay afloat um over this time so that they they can get back in business and everything uh i was almost certain that we'd have an amazon or an apple or somebody like that coming in and buying some of these chains even so no matter who owned the theaters my thought was that there would be uh there would still be theaters there just wouldn't be as many of them um but having now seen a quiet place in a theater that was nearly capacity. Oh, really? Um, on Sunday night and the, and quiet place Two made 48 million domestic just over that uh, weekend. Over right. Week. Wow. Just over the weekend. And that's not including like Memorial days, uh, uh, like amount. They may have actually hit the 60 million mark at this point. Um, I, I there's there's no other way to put it than to say they're not going anywhere at this point hmm. like these chains are here to stay now if if they've been able to stay in business or like stay afloat during the pandemic and now we're coming back to 48 million dollar openings and you saw overseas f9 made like a billion dollars or something <laughs> uh, roughly when it came out <laughs> and it's and it's still it's still got what two or three weeks before it comes out here um it's going i mean f9 is going to smash so is black widow when it comes out so those are sorry i don't want to interrupt you but we had always talked about there's going to be that one movie that's timed perfectly right that's going to be mm -hmm. the first one to get everybody in excited safe and everything 
It looks like Quiet Place Two may be that, but certainly Fast is that Nine, movie. yeah, 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 is is going to be the Quiet follow Place, to Quiet it. Place Two. Quiet Place Two was supposed to come out in April of 2020. It would have done fine then. It would have made probably roughly the amount it made this weekend. Yeah. Um. Uh. But now we're running into. We'll see what The Conjuring Three does this weekend. We'll see what Black Widow does. There's a lot of like little other ones that are sneaky ones that are showing up on the schedule. F nine man is going to be, I mean, that movie is going to kill it's There's no doubt about it. That like as much of fatigue as people may have had with the fast and furious movies, F nine is going to be the one. I think that's going to be our first hundred million, uh, domestic opening. Jeez. Um, black widow may even have a chance, but I think black widows, uh, I don't know. I can't really feel the excitement factor for that movie. Yeah uh f9 i'm feeling it for for that even though it looks very stupid and ridiculous like always <laughs> f9 is gonna fucking kill i really do think that one of the either one of those movies are gonna hit 100 million domestic and we're gonna be like what pandemic here wow. in the united states well <clears throat> i agree completely with in terms of like people going to the movies and theaters still being a way to make money um for studios what i think we still have to wait on is is a couple things where how all the money shakes out right because like i just there's a headline this morning about alamo draft house has come out of its bankruptcy filing and they're going to close a bunch of theaters but also open a couple new ones in this next year or two they still filed for bankruptcy that like that money doesn't disappear it just gets restructured and shifted so that you can you know, pay that debt down with future gains. Uh, you know, I just think, and, and then we have, I think, some other interesting stuff with regard to ownership because we just had Amazon buy a fucking movie studio mm-hmm. with MGM, mm-hmm. which I think could change things. And then we also have two in next year in 2022. We have two really weird exclusive things where Regal is going to have a 45-day window on Warner Brothers film before other theaters get them. But Cinemark and AMC theaters are going to have a similar three-weekend window for Universal and Focus Pictures films. So we're already going to have a different market in the sense that if you want to see a Warner Brothers film opening weekend, you have to go to Regal. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you don't live in a place where there's a Regal, you're shit out of luck. And then I also think we have to wait to see, and I don't. I think it's going to lean in favor of theaters, uh, but I think we have to wait and see how all this day and date Warner Brothers direct to streaming and Disney Plus selling their movies for twenty bucks and HBO Max doing the Snyder shit. I think all of that streaming data is going to impact future decisions in terms of release and distribution there will be some smaller production outfits that are like, we can make as much money or more streaming as we did when we went to theaters. So I don't know. I think things will eventually change, but I think Chris is absolutely right that the demand is still there and hasn't gone anywhere. And the money is still there uh, to be made. Um, But I do think the industry is going to see changes that, we'll have to wait three or four years or more to really see how they're to impacted. catch up, to, to figure out what actually, yeah. yeah. The effect. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the thing that for me, Godzilla versus Kong came out before 
most people were vaccinated and it had two weekends in a row of $30 million uh, business here in the here in North America. Uh, and it was being streamed on HBO max at the same time. Hmm. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, whoever Warner brothers or whoever the fuck owns Warner brothers these days. Um, I don't know if they're, they're going to just keep doing that. Like they, they may decide, all right, well, we'll just come out with stuff on the in theaters and then we'll come out with it on HBO max later or whatever. But apparently the streaming's not keeping people from going to the theaters either. That's a crazy thing. As I was uh, thinking about this, I really want to see, I I can't wait to see in the Heights. All right. That's one of the most Mm -hmm. anticipated movies of the year for me. I would love to see it in a theater. That shit's going to be on my TV with the service I already have when it opens. And I'm going to be hard pressed to get myself into a theater when I could really just jam out in my underwear in there. Do you think that's going to affect it long term? That's just me. You know what I mean? Not not, not when you see Godzilla versus Kong making the money it's making. Yeah. Now, the conjuring i may very well end up watching that at home because mm. i would rather not deal with people at all um when it comes when it comes to theaters just because you know i mean quiet place too i was the thing about both quiet places is that it, the movies make you shut up yeah. like there's you that, that's what's so great about it. But when I go to see The Conjuring, that's not going to happen. No. There's going to be people all the time. You're screwed. But, and so I may end up watching The Conjuring like on HBO Max when it comes yeah. out. But going back to what – I don't know if Jeremy knows the answer to this. Maybe maybe it didn't say, but I find it odd that, a, that uh, Warner Brothers would decide strictly regal – but if you're in an area, if you're in a city that has zero regals, you can't watch the movie. Like it, it seems like they'd have a deal with certain cities, kind of like the miles rule that we used to deal with, uh, which is no longer anymore, by the way, I don't believe that's a, uh, a thing that exists anymore is the, uh, oh, um, the mileage with, yeah, you, you it, it, there there may still be something in, being implemented there, but um, but I'm I'm wondering if you're if you live in I don't know where I don't know where Regal didn't didn't make it, but let's say it's Wichita or something, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what if Wichita has all AMC's, and you know, are you so you're saying that you're going to force everybody in Wichita to go to you know Omaha to to watch the movie? I here's the deal. There's a, the only caveat I know of is that Regal is owned by Cineworld, a global mm-hmm. corporation, and the right. deal was made with Cineworld. So the, all the language in the article after that, though, says Regal will get the exclusive for. I think that's why I brought it up is that that may want to be if you're in Wichita, you may not get to see the next Batman movie. For until a month after the rest of the world has seen it, that's disruptive <laughs> to what the theater industry looks like before the pandemic. You have to be uh, like, you may be right. Uh, maybe maybe they'll go third party or something. I don't know. But uh, the, as written in this Reuters article I'm reading, it, it seems like Wichita's fucked. 
Okay. You're gonna <laughs> it's, it's, and here we are, we don't even know which I mean, you know, Wichita is would be involved. But like it sound it's it sounds almost like you'd have to be like in the old days, like the seventies or the eighties or whatever, like Judah Friedlander and American Splendor, where he's like I'm going to make a drive to Cleveland tonight so to watch Revenge of the Nerds as I, you know, and, and, you know, and I don't think it was Cleveland. I think they lived in yeah, Cleveland, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like so they did somewhere, he had to drive somewhere really far to watch Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> and, uh, and that's something that people used to have to do back in the day when you lived, like when I lived in Franklin, if you wanted to find a movie that was, you know, we didn't have any theaters. So if you wanted to watch, you wanted to watch something that was like big or whatever, you had to drive to Nashville or, you know, maybe if you wanted to watch something that was uh, a little risque or whatever, a little independent or whatever, you had to drive to Atlanta or something for it. Mm. Um, that's a weird, that's a weird thing. I don't know how long they can keep that, that going. I mean, we have seen in the past, uh, a movies not going to certain chains and what happened with that, like rush hour two. Yeah. Uh, Regal refused to pay the money, the refused to share uh, whatever percentage of the box office they wanted on uh, rush hour two. And then ended up going to all Carmike theaters and everything and other, and, and, and around the other parts of the country, anywhere that wasn't Regal, that movie still made like what? 68 million on its opening weekend. Wow. Yeah. So if, as long as Warner brothers doesn't hurt from that decision, people are still finding the movie somehow then yeah you know that's good but i guarantee you if they come out with something huge and they see you know some like 17 million dollar opening they're gonna they're gonna cut out of that deal as soon as they can yes they will yes they will. warners has made two really interesting decisions one is the regal thing and the other is the hbo max thing and i know some of the ones like you know godzilla v kong mortal kombat um, a few others, uh, the Angelina Jolie one, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. came out. Uh, I don't know how many other huge ones they have coming out this year, but they're essentially locked in And the Heights is one of these too. Uh, they're essentially oh, man, you know, I mean, locked got, in, right? Yeah. I got ton Warner brothers got that matrix four coming out. And oh got, yeah, I mean, that's right. They've got, yeah, they, they had a pretty good slate for this year um and uh you know i, I again matrix what, four is one i'll see in the theater what the oh, yeah. what what jeremy's talking about there with like alamo draft house and all that i mean that that will be interesting to see over the next year or two all these little differences that we're not used to how will that affect uh our viewing in the future because right now it's like all right let's make sure everybody gets in the theaters and gets comfortable in the theaters again and we're seeing you know, big releases, be big releases. What happens when you start limiting things and you start, you know, that, that, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, there's still the possibility that there will be, there'll always be theaters. Let's not, they're not going out uh, of style ever. I agree. Uh, It's just like radio. Radio is still around, even though it's the, it's uh, one of our most primitive entertainment devices. We still have radio um yeah yeah uh theaters theaters are still always going to be around there just may be fewer of them all right so so there's there's optimism that uh that things are getting at least a little bit back to normal but we have to see if it's going to fundamentally change over time yeah yeah you want to go on to non-barrett question sure sure okay 
Uh, what is your favorite instance of an actor playing completely different characters in movies released in the same year? Uh, <laughs> this person would say Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet and Hoosiers, which were both 1987? Six. Six. And once again, our our uh, question asker has taken one of the best fucking answers <laughs> and uh, probably one that I would have picked had it not been there. But I went with Holly Hunter in uh, 1993, where she was in The Firm and The Piano. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, in The Firm, she plays like this, you know, I wouldn't say a ditzy secretary or anything like that, but what would you call her? And what would you call her in the firm? She's what, kind what of a, like a hard ass that does what she has to do. She's obviously very close to Gary Busey's character, but she also shows some chops, both mm-hmm. like shows some balls when mm-hmm. she contacts Ethan Hunt and gives him the thing. Receives yeah, yeah, the yeah. bag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and, and she goes, she plans that whole thing later on. So I think she's just like a scrappy. I would say scrappy. Scrappy, right. And in the piano, she plays a, a deaf mother who is trying to buy her piano back by having sex with Harvey Keitel on the on the regular. Uh, but uh, that, that that's being reductive of the piano. The piano is a really good movie. But she uh, she she's like uh, every time she sleeps with Keitel, I think it's it's a, a number of keys yeah. that she gets back. And, uh, and, uh, she won the Oscar for that. She was nominated for the firm as well. Um, that's crazy. Uh, she doesn't have very much screen time at all in the firm. No, but it, it's clear just like they did with Pacino in the previous year, they were really trying to get her an Oscar and, uh, and they decided to throw in that as a token. I don't know how that works. Like, it, it, you know. That's, I love that performance, but that's that's a weird one to be. It seems like there's for. probably more deserving people in the supporting actress category that you know could have been nominated, but you know it looked like people really loved them some Holly Hunter in 1993. Uh, but yeah, she won for the piano, and um, but yeah, those are two very very different roles. Didn't yeah. uh, Harvey uh, show his junk in that movie? Um, only if we're uh, lucky. He may. He was known for showing his junk quite a bit back then. Is that right? Oh, he was yeah. in Bad Lieutenant. He showed Bad it. Lieutenant. Showed it yeah. Bad Lieutenant. And I think even in the movie Fingers, maybe he did. <laughs> um, I think he did. I think he did show his junk in the piano. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he did. Piano's a good movie. I haven't seen it since it. I haven't I think seen it since it came out. out. Yeah. 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 I don't remember uh, it. Okay. Sam Neill is like some boring ass husband that she has. And that, hey, yeah. Sam Neill that year, by the way, Jurassic Park and the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Nice. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't remember. I, I remember it was, it was extremely well reviewed and I saw it and I liked it okay. I, mm. I was six, 16 watching the piano. Yeah. So you were all I, about. Yeah, mm. yeah. I was what I was all about. But, uh, um yeah maybe to revisit that someday mm-hmm. 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 i have the best uh, answer so i want to go last ha <laughs> uh, um all right i'm gonna go with jude law in 2001 um where he made a movie called enemy at the gates which i'm not sure mm-hmm. how many oh, of wow. you have seen I've i seen saw it. it man i don't remember this nothing is a about that. uh russian sniper um i think it's world war one 
I always get it wrong, so that probably means it's World War Two. Um, <clears throat> but he's basically a, a simple soldier uh, who turns out is really good at sniping, and he ends up in this back and forth with uh, Ed Harris, who's like this German sniper of lore. He's like a deity of, of snipers. Uh, and Jude Law's character is unsure of himself um, and has to think on his feet and fellow soldiers and friends get killed right in front of him. Uh, but that same year he makes AI artificial intelligence with Spielberg from Kubrick's development. And he plays this completely confident sex robot mm-hmm. who <laughs> has zero doubts about anything. And I just could not picture two more different types of people uh, for a performer to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, so that was my answer. I also found it interesting how how actors sometimes just don't work very often. Because like the first way I went about researching this was to search for my favorite actors or the best actors. And you search Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio and he almost never makes two movies in a year. He basically mm-hmm. takes a year or two off between every movie. Um, so there's only a certain kind of actor that can even fulfill this qualification. But my answer Although is Jude DiCaprio, DiCaprio does have one. And I think it was because one, I think it was Gangs of New York that got pushed back. But Gangs of New York and Catch Me If You Can came out the same ah. year. Um, and, uh, those are, uh, extremely different roles, but I think that's also one where one movie was getting pushed back a lot and that's and well, one was supposed to be out earlier. I also just read yesterday that the bulk of the catch me if you can story is fake. Like, I know. I saw that Frank Abagnale actually. Abagnale just basically catfished everybody into thinking he'd done shit he didn't do. And the game show bought it and the public lore bought it and we made a movie about him. And that's his best con of all, right? Yeah. I mean, it shows that he has that ability then. I guess, I guess, but a lot of the shit he did that the movie is based on, and even in real life, a lot of the shit he was known for having done, uh, he didn't actually do. Yeah. But I mean, conning about conning, is a nice end game, man. I mean, here's the thing that's that I guess that's disappointing in some way, but like we knew that the movie Catch Me If You Can wasn't, even if it, yes, it, it, even that movie wasn't a hundred percent things that happened, you know, like we knew that there was even that had been, uh, I don't know, embellished in some, in many ways or made up, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I think it's just my lack of surprise. Anytime you hear, anytime you hear about a, you see some amazing story and you're like, how the fuck did that happen? Usually it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have three, but I'm going to go through them real quick. Uh, because one, I've talked about a bunch Al Pacino in 1997, he plays the devil, and he plays uh, uh, Lefty in Donnie mm-hmm. Brasco. And mm. man. Lefty thought he Lef- was going to get whacked. Lefty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shit my pants. Uh, <laughs> Lefty is the most, one of the most muted performances of his career, especially yeah, Latter Day stuff. And it's, and it's one of his best out of a million bests. Uh, if you haven't seen Donnie Brasco yet, we haven't talked about it in a little while. Watch it. And then I know you've heard me talk about the devil's advocate, but those are as polar opposites as you can get. 
1997. Uh, a couple ones, though, that I found. Cameron Diaz did Shrek, the voice of Fiona, and Vanilla Sky in 2001. <laughs> those came out in the same year. When we say do things in the same year, obviously production is going to be going on at different times, especially when it comes to animation. But man... Yo, she is uh, she's excellent in Vanilla Sky. I know she mm-hmm. plays crazy and everything, but man, she also plays seductive. She also plays friendly. Um, she also plays nonchalant. Uh, she's very, very good in Vanilla Sky, and mm-hmm. her voice as Fiona is wonderful in Shrek. I, I don't <laughs> love Shrek, uh, but uh, she was perfectly fine. And my last one is a recent one, and I cannot wait to see what this woman is going to do. Florence Pugh in 2019 uh, was in a tremendous acting feat in Midsummer, Uh, But she was also in fighting with my family with Jeremy just talked about recently Mm -hmm. playing a completely different character. Uh, And she was in little women. Now I find that impressive. I have not admittedly seen little women though. Uh, I assume She's perfectly oh, good in she's that. You're not missing that. that much. She's good, but I just the movie underwhelms me. I don't yeah. I'm not a fan of the structure, but uh the performances are great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a that was funny when, you know, Jeremy when brought up Jude Law, I bet there are years where he did five or six movies and yeah. and, and and everything like uh uh, you know, you, you know, you bring up Florence Pugh and I'm reminded of Tommy Lee Jones, who in 1994 <laughs> did, he did some bad ones in here, but think about the range here blown away, which was bad. Ah, uh, where's Irish? Uh, he's he the did, Irish he one, did, right? Yeah, yeah, he's Irish. He did the, the client. Um, he was in blue sky, which was an Orion film that had been in the can for like six years or something like that. So that's why he had five movies in 1994 and then he did natural born killers and he did Cobb, uh, oh, wow. all in 1994. Wow. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure we can come up with some that did four or five varied performances, uh, over a, over a year, and Tommy Lee Jones uh, definitely has done that uh, a couple of times. So, was, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, I'm sure, has done that multiple mm-hmm. times as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Old um, Tommy Lee. Oh yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Keep going to Sincast uh, presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, uh, Music Video Sins Twitter. Uh, we're on Discord and we're on SoundCloud. If you want to get on Discord, you can uh, private message me on Facebook, and I can give you a link there. That's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Shear. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Uh, did you see there's a resurgence in uh, appreciation for Paris Hilton's album? No. Have you seen that? No. Thanks for that. Pitchfork uh, came out with a thing. Oh, you uh, got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. Appreciate Pitchfork, yeah, that, Pitchfork Is Pitchfork giving it a 10? They've become a satire of themselves. They've become They've become so ironic. Like, irony doesn't exist anymore in the hipster universe of Pitchfork. So they have to re-review Paris Hilton's album. It's an interesting 
uh, article, actually, I'll send it to you. Um, you know, obviously exploring the v- vapidness, vapidity of uh, Stars Are Blind in particular. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, and I was thinking, you know, I've heard that song recently. I actually like that song unironically just because it's a good pop song. She had nothing to do with it. Um, it's it's like a, an appropriation of like a meter song, I think. Like some sort of reggae song. Uh, and uh, it was, I knew I'd heard it recently. And it was in fucking uh, Promising Young Woman. Mm, when she and Bo Burnham are uh, are jamming out in like the, I think they're in a record store. Promising Bo Burnham. I am, uh, my wife and I are planning on watching the new Bo Burnham special tonight. I heard it brilliant and crushing. Oh, I didn't hear the second part. I only heard it was, I've only heard good things. I haven't heard anything specific about it. I keep seeing memes with two pictures. And the first picture is me running to watch the new Bo Burnham special. Uh, somebody happy. And then it's like me after I watch it. And it's somebody like clutching the pillow and crying tears. So <clears throat> I know that he has crippling anxiety. Mm. Um, I don't know if he talked about that, uh, in the show. I was, I'm going to watch that at some point too, because her, his, his shows are always special. Uh, I've never, besides eighth grade and which obviously he's not in, uh, and promising young woman. I don't really know much about this guy. I've never seen one of his specials. I, I know he's a, he was one of the OG YouTubers, right? Like, is, is yes, that but where... he very quickly elevated beyond that like he went on tour very early and started doing comedy specials did you not did you watch that country song that was in that thread like a week ago when Danae posted no, I, I got caught up on the uh the one about the trucks and Santa Fe good, and the lake that that song is a pretty good representation of his comedy he does a lot of music in his stand-up um and that's from a special where he does like a rap song at one point um, but it's usually pretty biting, um, kind of John Oliver-esque commentary on, you know, real life and shit. He's special. Is that his thing? Like, would you say he's more of a comedian or a musician or just like one of those Donald Glover? I think he would. I mean, film director. I think he's, I mean, he's a. I mean, he's excellent. He's yeah, got yeah, it Eighth all. grade is great. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just one of those multi-hyphenate, like, can do anything. Yeah, he's Bo things. Jackson of, like, entertainment. <laughs> Hey, it's a yeah, so uh, far without the career-ending injury. Yeah, his his shows frequently uh, just will you know he'll be doing he'll be do, I don't know if he even does. I'm trying to remember some of the shows, like he never really seems to get into a stand-up rhythm. He always just kind of like everything is things can change at a at a drop of a hat. Uh, things become skit one man skits at some point um uh he 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 does audience work but it's participation not um not like making fun of him or anything but Hmm. there's there's one there's one pretty i'm trying to remember he he gets he's he gets at people to fill in the blanks on some words or whatever and there's that one where it ends up being like a racial slur or whatever. If you say, if you complete the sentence, but like, you oh, is that the, I heard you talking about that. Chips, that was him. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Salt and vinegar chips. Yes, 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 yeah. exactly. I remember and, that. Uh, he's, he's, he 
does a call and response who, and then he's like i mean i'm gonna get just, you to say this and they're like no no right is that how no. it goes who thinks like that i just think that's mm-hmm. brilliant Django started playing on fuck showtime i think one of these fucking channels and i tried to watch it the other day because i've only seen it like twice mm-hmm. i can't get through that movie man it's just it's just maybe quentin would say this is the point but there are too many n-words man i can't enjoy any of what I'm watching, I'm just cringing every five seconds at everyone just throwing that word around like crazy. Yeah, I had the same uh, experience with 42 uh, when oh, Alan Tudyk yeah. is playing the Phillies manager mm. and just keeps saying it. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I don't think we'll ever really get it. So why are we trying to make it, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like we... Mm-hmm. We'll never know what that what that actually feels like. So just throwing that na- throwing that word out there a million times isn't going to get me there. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, they, well, Django's that Tarantino had his most indulgent maybe ever, uh, both yeah. with that and with that entire movie, like the length, the participation, the N word. Like just everything is way too exacting. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tell you what, we were uh, my wife and I were watching uh, Kill Bill Volume One last night, as I said, um, and maybe about uh, ten minutes in, she had never seen it. Oh, I'd only well, seen it. That's one that I've only seen probably once and a half or something like that. Oh my! And uh, we got to the uh, wiggle your big toe thing, <laughs> and my wife was like. Man, it seems like he films Uma Thurman's feet a lot. <laughs> and I was like, and I laughed and I didn't mean to. And she was like, what are you laughing at? Like, she thought I was making fun of her. And I was like, no, I guess you, you didn't know. Like, that's his thing. And from that point on, we were like, count the feet. <laughs> it was like Lucy Lou going across the table to chop that guy's head off. It was her taking off her shoes to do the, the thing, to do the final fight. It was like all these things. We were like, feet. Feet. It was like uh, Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen going like boobs, boobs yeah. and bush. Yeah. Isn't the uh, Pillville one the one with the fight with the eighty eights at the restaurant? Yeah. Like, yeah. How does your wife deal with that level of violence? My wife would smack me if Yo, I showed her that movie. It's. Uh, I mean, we were talking about that. It's so Looney Tunes to me. It's almost. It's almost John Wickian, which mm. we also watched fairly mm. recently. But that movies um, aren't as bloody. They're arguably more violent. The John Wick movies are, but yes, you're right. They're not. They're not as bloody because you don't have the spray and stuff like that. But the spray, I think, is what makes it so cartoony. What What does get me in Kill Bill Volume One, and I think turns me off is the uh, is the the foley stuff because the spray is funny. But like, there's so much like, like. <laughs> Speaking of cartoon, when it goes to a cartoon for that super hyper violent flashback, uh, that's the most disturbing thing in the whole fucking movie. It is, but it also fucking rules. I got a new appreciation of this movie last night. I'm like you, man. Like I've I've never been hot on Volume One, but I liked it a like. 30 times better this time for some reason. It just hit me differently. Chris, you like it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like everything 
Tarantino's Sorry. ever done. I like everything that he's done, including Django, but I don't, I think Django is clearly his worst movie. Mm. Yeah. I do love that motorcycle drive, walking into the restaurant. That's good. Yeah, which has been overused since. Every like almost everything that he used in that movie has become commercial stuff. Yeah. And, Same yeah. with Pulp Fiction. Uh, well, yeah, but even the the seven eight nines that are playing at the club. Like the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh, by the way, I noticed that I never. I'm a dumbass, obviously, but like I never noticed that one shot that he does from the time that the bride jumps down from hanging up over the the thing outside of Lucy Lou's thing. He follows her all the way down the stairs into the bathroom, then back up to where the French woman is getting out and her journey all the way down to the bathroom. But they're at completely different angles. And that shot's fucking brilliant, man. Yeah. It's so brilliant. I love it. Oh, my every, God. Every time I... I you know imagine you know you, you just took me through this kill bill set that he's you know doing this shot on or whatever i always think about the clip from inglorious bastards where it shows him and you know they've just gotten done with a scene and he goes now we're gonna do it again why is that and everybody goes because we love making movies (laughs) 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 and i'm thinking about that because comcast can suck my big toe Mm -hmm. that's right i said it jeremy i'm not scared of you i'm not comcast you know, you don't always have to agree with me when I say I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't. Nobody heard anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nobody heard anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, only McCormick, yeah. I was Jai McCourtney. Jai McCourtney. He's his Irish cousin. Hardcastle and McCormick. A show I never saw, like. Mm-hmm. Remington and Steel. You never watched Remington Remington uh, Steel? I figured no. that would be right up your fucking alley. A lot of these shows I know I saw, but I don't remember any yeah. episodes. I, rem- I saw Remington Steel, but I didn't. I don't. You, you asked me what what happened in Remington Steel. I don't know. Pierce. Yeah, Brosnan. he was fine. He was yeah. fine back in James those Bond. days. It, I remember watching MacGyver over and over yeah. and over again, but I never. I never. I don't remember. Really. I remember, I remember him doing things to get out of situations, but I can't tell you anything about. You know, I lo- what I loved about MacGyver uh, was that anytime he punched somebody, he would notify the the viewer that it hurt. <laughs> yeah, be like, oh ah. yeah, yeah, that was, was like, ah! <laughs> that was uh, that was important to both the character and I think the actor. He didn't use guns. He did. He was, uh... yeah. If you punch somebody, it's gonna hurt. You can't just go around punching people. That's not, That's how, it not how it works. Our hand is not made of steel. Have you watched the new one at all? Mm-hmm. That's right. The, the MacGyver? Yeah. The new MacGyver? Fuck that. No, I mean, I like that actor okay in the X-Men movies, I think. What is Who is he? But no. Is it Ray Park? No, he's the... Oh, is he the chesty guy? He's the chesty uh, guy. <laughs> oh, chesty guy. <laughs> <laughs> the famous X-Men chesty guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's called. Havoc. He radiates that beam that... Havoc. 
that uh, Professor X had to teach him how to focus his power. But who's the focus. actor? I don't know. MacGyver. Fuck. Aaron, Aaron Sorry. Taylor Jones. I gotta look this up or else I'll be fucking tortured. Aldrich huh? Killian. Killian. Jonathan Taylor Joy. It starts. He's got an A in there somewhere, I swear to God. Uh, Lucas Till? <laughs> Oh, There's shit. an A in Lucas. There's an A in there, Lucas. <laughs> yeah, Lucas. Right. That sounds about right. But Grey's Anatomy is still on. Right? It's going <laughs> into like shit. season 65. Right, right. It's been on since 1974. I swear that show started in the 90s, man. I saw a headline the other day that said, this show renew or with the show season five will be its last. And I was like, I thought it was its first season. Like, Jesus, yeah. that time fucking. Yeah. At one point, he yells, Tony Stark built this in a cave! <laughs> yes, he does. Arts. It's crazy how Iron Man referred back to Tucker in a man in his dream. <laughs> so awesome. Um, I've seen the car. I've seen the actual car that they uh, use in the in the film. I saw the car JFK was shot in. Yeah? yeah. In da- is it in Dallas? No, it's in the Ford Museum in Detroit. They also have the chair that Lincoln was shot in. And man... That'd be something. <laughs> It's fucking sobering to see that shit. Mm-hmm. It's like see the real shit. Like Ford, like Henry Ford, or Ford, like Gerald Ford, who's also <laughs> Henry Ford. But it's, uh, God, that museum's okay. huge and famous. It's got all kinds of cars and locomotives. And Why do they have, they don't, okay, hold on. They don't have the chair Lincoln was shot in, in that museum, right? Yeah, they do. It's like, I, hmm. I wouldn't want to have two... Things that presidents were. It's history, man. I'm telling you, it's like it's like it makes history palpable. It did for me. I've been there twice. You stand there and you look at it and you're like, holy shit! Like, it's not just a story in a textbook of a of a man who, you know, people talk about. That's the chair right fucking there. Um, pretty interesting. That is wild. I I, I was thinking that a Ford museum would be focused on. The Ottoman. No, it's the Henry Ford, Ford Museum of American Innovation. Um, oh, I see. So there's an airplane. So it's just a museum. Yeah, it's a okay. big badass museum. Yeah, Jeez. that's tight. That's that's yeah. that's dank. Anyway. <laughs> tight. <Wait. laughs> it slaps. That's, that's, it slaps. <laughs> Dude.